0: Uh, we have been <clears throat> we have been preaching and teaching in the last few weeks on the subject life after death. Life after death. Uh, we started with Easter Sunday, and uh, we we learned about the resurrection and and how the resurrection affects every believer. And uh, man, it's been a real uh, joy. Uh, and we're gonna. I, I tried I tried to really focus on a certain. A certain topic, if you will, for today. Uh, on, I wanted to go through the process of what it, when when someone dies immediately, what takes place, and, and that type of thing. And 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 God kind of led a little different direction. So I want to just go with what he, He's a, He's He's a lot better at this than I am. So we're going to just stay with what the Lord said and 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 what He wants us to teach today. And and so here's what I want to do. We're going to read the last few verses. Of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, and then go right into 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Now, remember that the verses, chapters, and verses were given to us by the translators to help us to memorize and study and all of that. So we want to know that as we're reading through the end of chapter 4, it is just a continuation. It goes right into chapter 5, and chapter 5 has to do with chapter 4. So with that in mind, if you'll look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, And we're going to begin in verse number eight, verse number eight. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up by Jesus, also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Now, now keep, now focus real good right here. Focus real good. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding An eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know, amen, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened not for that which uh, not for that we could be unclothed but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is god who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say. Let me say that again. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege of being here today. Lord, thank you that we are we are another day closer to being able to gather together as your church family. Lord, as the body of Christ assembling worshiping together, glorifying you together. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll get all the glory today. I pray that you'll help me to deliver your word in such a way that everybody can understand it. It's clear and precise that everybody can hear and receive and be edified from it. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve mercy. But God, we are so thankful for it. And I praise your holy name. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of everything we could offer you today. Now, Lord, please help us. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with an unction from glory. Help me to deliver your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless all the little sanctuaries around our communities and around the country who's tuning in today. I pray that you'll fill their houses. I pray that you'll fill their rooms wherever they are watching, wherever they are worshiping today. I pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will permeate those houses and those places of worship. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. I want to go back. I want to go back and, and kind of review parts of chapter four that we have just read. I, I want to read just a couple of verses again just to restore our memory here. It says, he says, we are troubled. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, But not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you will, if you will take those verses and you will break them down and look at them, uh, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians here and he's telling them, listen, every day of our life, we are under the threat of death. We are under the reality and the understanding that our lives can be taken in a moment. The Jews were after him. The Gentiles were after him. Everybody was trying to destroy Paul and kill Paul. He had been beaten with rods. He had been stoned and left for dead. Every day that he got up, every day of ministry, every day that he lived, he said we are facing the reality of death. We are facing the reality that today could be our last day. The breath that we breathe could be our last breath we are in jeopardy every hour Paul said now now think about that can you imagine waking up every day thinking today you might die thinking today might be the day that that you leave this world death is death is called the last enemy and the thought of death has caused fear and it's caused, uh, listen, anxiety in many people that struggle with it, especially Christians also. But that's not the case. We don't see that with the Apostle Paul. You know what Paul says about his persecution? You know what Paul says about his beatings with rods? You know what Paul says about the times he was whipped and put in prison and, and jailed and did all the things that come against him? You know what he said? He said, it's a light affliction. A light affliction. How in the world? How in the world was Paul able to see the persecution he endured, the beatings he endured, the threat of death that he endured? How in the world was he able to look at that and call it a light affliction? And he says this, we bear in our body the death of the Lord Jesus. In other words, every day that we live, every hour that we are on this earth, we are facing the imminent death. We are facing threats of our life we are facing imminent death all the time how do you live in that kind of situation well there are several things here in this verse I'd like to talk about but I want to just tell you this is this is what I want you to see Paul faced death fearlessly he faced death fearlessly and so that's what I wanted to that's what I wanted to title it I don't, I don't want you to, I I don't know, I don't know how you think about things and I don't, I don't know uh, what you've been thinking through this pandemic. I don't know if you're at home and you worry about this, you worry about dying, you worry about death, you worry about the prospects of leaving this world. Uh, Listen, God doesn't want you that way. He says it in His Word. God does not give the spirit of fear. God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love. Listen, power and the sound mind. God puts in us what he wants us to have. It's not to be afraid. We, we cannot be cowards. We cannot walk around in fear and, and be timid all the time. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will remove the peace out of your heart. Listen, fear will do, and it's the devil who uses the tool of fear. We should never fear death. We can't fear death. We shouldn't fear death. We should not have this in our mind. We can face death fearlessly. How do we do that? How do we do that? Let's look what Paul says. Let's look what Paul says. He says in this, verse 16, look in verse 16. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now focus on verse 18. Here's our first point. Here's our first point. While we, what's that word? Look, all right? All right, Home. say that with me. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So I'm going to give you three quick things. Three quick things here this morning. Uh, we're we're gonna have to have we're gonna have to have three services because of the social distancing garbage and all that. And uh, and, and and so uh, we, we've had to modify things. And, and 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 I'm supposed to preach for thirty minutes today. And and I have some very negative people who don't think I can do that. And uh, so today I'm thirty minutes. I'm only going thirty minutes. I'm I'm supposed to be on the clock. I think I don't know if they started that or not. But it really should start now. The other shouldn't count at all. It should start right now. And Brother Dustin's back there shaking his head that he don't think that can happen. But anyway, uh, uh, there's critics everywhere. Haters are going to hate. Hey Amen. They're just going to do it. 30 minutes. Here we go. Three points. One, how did he face it? How did he deal with it? I'm, I'm telling you. I I, I, I look at what the Apostle Paul went through. I I look at the beatings he faced and and, and all the stuff, all the garbage and all the persecution and all the things that he faced. And I'm thinking, dear God, how did he do this? Now when I was growing up as a kid, when I was growing up as a kid, I had in my mind cuz uh, y'all know that I, I grew up a preacher's kid and so I, it's all I've ever known. I mean I am I'm, I'm back in I am back in, in in Sunday school with flannel graph. If y'all y'all remember the flannel graph, man, I'm telling you, that was cool before it was cool. Amen. Wham, slap that character up there and give your story. Well, I, I looked at Bible characters kind of Kind of like superhuman you know what I'm saying you, you just look at, at at John Baptist and and, and Elijah and, and all these and you think that they're they're like they're like this special but you know what they were men they were men they were human they, they they had frailties just like we did they had fears just like we did Paul said Paul said he was dealing in in parts of the ministry where he served he said he did it with fear and trembling and man I can't even imagine that with the apostle Paul but the apostle Paul was a human. He was weak just like we are. He had issues just like we do. But yet he was able to do all of this stuff fearlessly. And to go, and to go in this in such a brave and courageous way. And this is how he did it. This is how he did it. Point number one. If you're writing these things down, there's, there's three things. There's three, uh, truths, I guess, if you want to use that word. Whatever. Uh, there's three things that helped him to deal with the struggles he went through. First, I want you to see this. I want you to write this down. I want you to see the focus that he had. The focus that he had. Look in, look in the last verse of chapter number four. <clears throat> now, now remember, let me, let me go back. Let me go back. Let me, let me remind you. Let me remind you what he's dealing with. We're troubled on every side. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Every day of our ministry, we're facing death. But watch what he says. But I want you to see what we do. Number one, we focus. We focus on what? Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. So, what are we saying? The word look. The word look is the word scopio. Scopio. Now, you imagine this. Imagine a microscope. A microscope focuses intently on an object. Now, it means to take aim at, to consider, to regard, to think about. And you know what he's saying here? He says, every day, our focus is not on what we can see. Our focus is not. Now, Now, keep in mind. Keep in mind. When you look at this, all through the scriptures, the Bible teaches us everything you see is temporary. Everything you see is temporary. Every single thing. Everything is going to be destroyed one day. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything, the Bible says, Peter Peter says the elements will melt with fervent heat. Everything is going away. You can buy a new car today and it'll be old tomorrow. The moment you drive it off the lot it has decreased in value and it will continue to do that down through the years. New houses will decay. Bodies decay. Everything that you see everything that you see with a physical eye is temporary. And it's going away. But what does he say? I don't focus on what I can see. I don't focus on what's around me. I don't focus on my circumstances. I don't focus on these things that are are, are here today and gone tomorrow. My focus is on what I can't see. Sabrija, so what can't you see? I can't see heaven. I can't see a street of gold. I can't see walls of jasper. I can't see gates of pearl. I can't see the Lord Jesus. I can't see the angels in heaven. I can't see all of these things. But I. I know they're there and the more i think about them the more real they become don't focus on what you can see now how do we apply that how do we apply that watch this right here watch this right here colossians 3 colossians 3 verse 1 if ye then be risen with christ seek those things which are what's that word above seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Watch this now. Watch this now. Set your affection. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, let's talk about that a minute. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. All right. Now watch. Here, here's the deal. <clears throat> Listen, we fear death. We fear departure from this, this life, this planet, this earth. We we fear that. And I think most of that fear is because either who we're going to leave or what we're going to lose. Those two things permeate our mind and they permeate our thinking and our process. And, and what Paul is saying here is, guess what? Everything you see, you're going to lose. We're, we're going to leave it behind. We cannot take it with us. Job said it best. He said, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I leave it. I am not. I didn't bring nothing with me when I got here, and I'm not going to take nothing with me when I leave here. And you know what we do? You know what we do in our life today? All we can focus is on our stuff. All we can focus is on the things that we can see. All that we can focus on and think about, listen, our affection, the things that drive our desires, our love and our attention, everything, most of the time, is on what we can see. Now, if that's where our affection is, if our affection is set in our hobbies, if our affection is set in our, in our jobs, if our affection is set in our material things, in our, our, our possessions, guess what? You're gonna be destroyed when those things go away. You're gonna be distraught if you lose them. If all of your affection, all of your desire, uh, and by the way, there was something that I need to put in here. There's something I need to put in here that I didn't Listen, not just, your, not just your job and hobbies and possessions, but what about your people, your families? Oh, preacher, what, what are you talking about our family? Well, let me just say this. Did Jesus not say this? Did Jesus not say this? And let a man hate his father and his mother and his sister and his brother, even in his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, does that mean I gotta hate my mama? No, that ain't what I mean. God says we're supposed to love everybody. The word hate here is a hyperbole. He's using a word to, to, to make a point. What he's saying is you've got to love God more than you love everything. You've got to love God more than you love your wife. You've got to love God more than you love your husband. You've got to love God more than, you, watch this, more than you love your children and your grandchildren. He's got to be first. He's got to be priority. Guess what? Set your affection on things above. Well, how do I know if I'm doing that? Let me ask you, what are you thinking about the most? What do you think about more than anything? What are you thinking about? Uh, 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 there, there, we all have our things. We all have our things. Uh, sometimes it's, I'm thinking about fishing. Sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, I'm thinking about coon hunting. Some things, sometimes I'm thinking, about what, whatever it might be. What, 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 whatever, sometimes it's hobby, sometimes it's things, sometimes it's possessions, sometimes whatever it might be. But God is saying this, how much do you think about heaven? How much is your focus about, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we get so tore up and we get so uh, uh, bent out of shape thinking about death. is because the only thing we think about is right here. We think about what we're leaving and we think about what we're losing. Well, what if you changed your focus? What if you changed your focus? What if you changed your perception? What is your perception? It's how you see something. How you see something. What if you, what if you saw it as not leaving something or losing something, but making it somewhere and gaining everything? What if you changed the way you looked at it? What if you changed not but leaving family, but going to family that's already there? It's not about leaving somebody. It's about a reunion with somebody. It's not about losing possession because laid up for me. There is a crown of righteousness. Listen, way, way over there, I'm laying my treasures in heaven. There is a mansion waiting on me. I have a place. He said, I go to prepare you a place. If I go and prepare you a place... I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. What are you focused on? Listen, are you focused on a street of gold? Are you focused on a crystal river? Are you focused on paradise? Are you focused on no more pain? No more sorrow? Are you focused on being in the very presence of Jesus? Are you focusing on getting to meet John Baptist and getting to meet Peter, James and John? Are you I'm just afraid to die. Well, you're focused on the wrong thing. If you could ever go, i tell you who I feel sorry for. Let me tell you who I feel sorry for more than, than probably anybody in the Bible. I feel sorry for Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is dying. I mean, he's got a sickness that is under death and he dies and he goes to paradise and God makes him come back here. Can you imagine, can you imagine Lazarus in paradise, enjoying the blessings of splendor, enjoying the blessings of God, peace and everything. And he hears his name and saying, I gotta go back there. Poor thing. Listen, if you're, if you are, are living in fear of dying, if you're living in fear of death, your perception is completely wrong. Let me tell you why you're fearing that, and let me tell you why you're thinking that. Because you're focusing on what you can see. Your focus is not on things eternal. And I got to tell you, everything you see, everything you see, including the people around you, are temporary. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. If Jesus tears his coming, if Jesus cares, that his coming, you're going to die. You're going to die. It is a surety, it is a fact, it is a guarantee. Listen, but what you focus on today will determine how you face that time in your life. If you're focusing on what you should see, if, you can focus, if you're focusing on what you're what you're who you're leaving or what you're leaving or what you're losing, you're going to be bent out of shape. But if you focus on what you're gaining, if you focus on what's waiting on you, if Paul said it this way man, I can't wait to get there. He said, There is far better than being here. Where's your focus? What helped him? What helped him to to, to face death fearlessly? It was the focus that he had. He said, we're looking at the things that are eternal. Our focus, we don't think constantly. We don't set our affections on what we can see. We set our affections on what we can't see. Not on what we have, but what's waiting on us over there. All right, number two, number two, real quick. We not only see the focus he had, but I want you to see the facts he knew. The facts he knew. We see that word know a lot. For we know. He, he had some facts. Now, what is that fact? What is that fact? Look in chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we, what's that word? No. Say it with me. For we know. Know. Not think. Not hope for. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, let me read another verse. Let me read another verse out of 2 Peter uh, to help you understand what he's talking about. He is not talking about your house at, uh, at whatever your address is here on this earth. That's not what he's saying. Oh, boy, if a tornado tears down my house, I know I got a house waiting on me. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about your residence. He's not talking about the house you live in. He's talking about the house of the soul. He's talking about your body. His reference is his body. Now watch. He's talking about a tabernacle. Look what it says in 2 Peter 1.13. 2 Peter 1.13. He says, yeah, I think it me, as long as I am in this tabernacle, Peter's saying, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. In other words, there's going to come a time I'm going to die I'm going to put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. So, what is he saying here in verse number one? He's saying, for we know that if our earthly house, house is a dwelling, house is a dwelling. If we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle, a tabernacle is a tent, okay? A tent, all right? Now, keep in mind, what is a tent? It's a temporary, say that word with me, it is a temporary dwelling place. It is a temporary dwelling place. He says, if our house be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, let me do this quick. What facts did he know? Two facts I want to talk about. Two facts I want to talk about right here. First, about our future body. He had some facts about a future body. Now, death, death, is when this body ceases to function. Okay? Death only affects the body. Now, now stay with me on this. Stay with me on this. Your body is the house, the tabernacle, the temporary dwelling of your soul. All right? Your soul and your spirit. Okay? Now, when, when your, when your body ceases to operate, When your body ceases to function, it will go back to the dust. He told Adam, you came from dust and dust you're going to return. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes. The Bible says that the body will go back to the dust and the spirit will go back to God, which gave it. Now, what does that mean? Paul is saying this, that there's going to come a day when this temporary shelter, this temporary house that houses my spirit. Now, what is your spirit, your soul? It's who you are. It's who you are. Listen, the body, the body is just the vehicle that carries who you really are. The the body uses the five senses. But your your spirit, your soul, who you really are, your conscious awareness state, uh, uh, listen, your mind, your will, your emotions, all of that, who you really are will go to be with God. Now, now watch this. Watch this. This body that we have, it's a temporary tabernacle. It is decaying. It is falling apart. It is ceasing to work more and more every single day. Gotta wear glasses, gotta take medicine, gotta do this. You wake up in the morning and you know you're alive because you're in pain. Say amen, somebody. I'm just telling hey, Listen, this thing that we have, this body that we have, it is mortal, it is decaying, it is breaking down just like everything else on this planet. It's living under a curse. And Paul said, one day this tabernacle is going to destroy dissolve is going to dissolve what does that mean it means listen your soul is going to leave this body and the body will go back to the grave the body will go back to the dust of the earth now there's there are there are uh uh there are machines that that, that doctors use there's machines that hospital uses to keep a body functioning it can keep the heart beating it can keep the lungs but guess what if there is no spirit in that body, there is no life in that body. Now, I, I want to do this. I, this ain't really even part of the message, but there are so many people who live in guilt. And there's so many people who get just tore out of the frame uh, when their loved one is on a ventilator or their loved one is on a, 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 a life. Uh, a, I say life. It's really not life. It's just the function of the body. And and they they're, they are feeling like they have to make a decision whether somebody lives or dies. Well, listen, that machine can keep keep the body, the house, the tabernacle functioning, but there is no life there. When God takes the soul, there's no life there. You 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 have no ability. You have no. You say, well, it was my choice. I told him to unplug. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If there that there's one thing. That machine can keep that body functioning, but it can't keep the spirit in it. And once that spirit departs, the body is no longer. Now, what am I saying? What we have in this body is temporary. And Paul is saying one day, listen, death is going to take this body and turn it back to dust. But I know this, I know this, that when that takes place, I've got one reserved for me in, the, in a body, a house that's eternal and wonderful. listen, here's the way I illustrate this. I was thinking about as he uses tabernacle and a house, a permanent dwelling. You have a temporary dwelling and a permanent dwelling. The body you have right now is a tabernacle. It is a tent. It is a temporary dwelling. All right? But the one that's waiting on us, the one that we're going to receive, the one that God has prepared for us, uh, uh, one that's not made with hands. Listen, it means there's no human uh, 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 action that takes place to produce it. It is made by God. It is eternal. It is perfect. It is glorified. It is a body like Christ. Amen. 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 Imagine this. Think about this. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the Old Testament and you see the children of Israel. They have a tabernacle. They have a tabernacle. What was the tabernacle? It was the temporary place that they used to to house the Ark of the Covenant, to house the glory of God. It was temporary. They picked it up and toted it. Every time they moved, every time they went forward, they could put it up and take it down. Put it up and take it down. It, 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 it As beautiful as it was, it still was not permanent. It still was not as beautiful. But one day, Solomon built a permanent tabernacle. Solomon built a beautiful temple. He built a place that was beyond splendor. And it was incredibly glorious. And man, I imagine that. That inside that temporary dwelling was the Shekinah glory of God. That one day, one day, when they made it to the promised land, they. Built built a temple. They built a permanent structure. They built a temple that had foundations that you didn't take up and you didn't put down. Oh, what does that mean? Listen, we're going through the wilderness today. We're traveling on to the promised land and we may be in a temporary tabernacle right now that is decaying, that is breaking down, that is falling apart but if this tabernacle is dissolved, one day there's going to be a body that's not made with hands. I'm going to have a glorified Body that is permanent and forever. Somebody say amen right where you are. I hope you know that this is this body is not the forever body. Thank God. I don't want to live forever in this body. I want my brand new one. Amen. Amen. There was some fact. Why did Paul face death fearlessly? Because he knew death was just a ticket to his brand new body. He says, Listen, this is not all we have. This is not all we have. There is a body that's waiting on us. So, another fact, and I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I I think I've gone about 10 minutes so far. All right. All right. How long we got, Dustin? Come on now. You're shaking your head back there. All right, here we go. He had had facts about a future body. This future body is going to be immortal. This future body is going to be incorruptible. This future body... Listen, it's going to be perfect. The Bible says in Philippians 3.20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Listen, what facts did he know? He, He had some facts about a future body. But not only that, about a future residence. About a future residence. Watch what he says in verse 6. Therefore, therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, in other words, our soul, listen, our spirit, who we are, our conscious awareness, who we are, who we really are, when we're at home in this body, verse 6, or excuse me, verse 6, we are absent from the Lord we are absent from the Lord but then he says in verse 8 we are confident we are confident we know this I say willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord what facts did he know he knew that one day he knew that one day the moment the moment the body quit functioning the moment That that soldier, the moment that that soldier took Paul's life, listen, his soul and his spirit was ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus. A great illustration of this is is Stephen. The Bible says when they were stoning Stephen, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. You know, there are people that teach us soul sleep, that when we die, we just go to sleep in the grave and and we wake up at the resurrection. That's not even biblical. I, I don't know where they get that from, but that's not even biblical. It's not even remotely biblical. The Bible says that the moment that you're absent from the body, the moment that your body is ceasing to function and you leave this body, you are immediately in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I know where I'm going. I know my destiny. I'm not sitting around biting my fingernails to the quick, worrying about what's going to happen when I die. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be looking Jesus eyeball to eyeball. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to be in the presence of the angels in heaven. I'm going to be in the presence of the saints of old. I'm going to be in the presence of my family that's already there. I'm going to... Somebody say amen. What a blessing that is. Now, no wonder he could face death fearlessly. No wonder he wasn't afraid of death. No wonder he said this. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Listen, the body I'm going to get is better than the one I got. The life that I'm going to live is better than the one I have. Listen, the, the residence I'm going to be in is better than the one I have. Can you imagine living in a glorious state? Can you imagine living in a place where no sickness and no sorrow and no death? Can you imagine? Hey, we shouldn't be afraid of death. We should be longing for heaven. We should be longing for being with Christ. He says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One day, one day we're going to see him. One day we're gonna be in his presence. It is immediate. It is immediate. The moment that you leave this body, you're gonna be in the presence of Jesus. You're gonna be in the presence of Jesus. Now, number three, quickly, quickly. Number three. What what helped him face death fearlessly? First, it was the focus he had. What are you focusing on today? What are you thinking about constantly? Are you thinking about your stuff? Are are you thinking about what you're going to leave behind? Are you thinking about what might be? Well, then change that. Start thinking about heaven. Start thinking about the joys that are waiting on you. Think about the, 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 the person of the Lord Jesus who's waiting to welcome you home. Think about the blessings of no sickness. Think about the blessings of a glorified body. Listen, stop focusing on what you're going to leave or what you're going to lose. Because guess what? You're going to lose all that anyway. Everything that you can see is temporary. Start focusing on the things that are eternal. Start focusing on the things that you will never, ever lose. Listen, the focus that he had. Number two, the facts that he knew. The facts that he knew. Do you realize what your body's going to be like? You realize that this, 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 we, we sing the song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Well, my soul, my soul can sing this. This body is not my home. It's just temporary. It is just a tabernacle that we're going to take down one day. But when this body, this soul, listen, this tabernacle is dissolved, it, my soul is going to move in to a place that's far better than what it's left. Listen, the facts that he knew. He says there's going to be a brand new body. There's going to be a brand new residence. I know, I know. We're confident that the moment that we leave this world, the moment that our our body stops functioning, that we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Number three, number three, here's the thing. Write this down and we're going to pray, all right? I want you to see not only the focus that he had, the facts that he knew, but I want you to see the future of, That he saw. The future that he saw. Look what he said. Look what he said in verse verse number 9. Look in verse number 9. Wherefore we labor. Wherefore we labor. That whether present. Or absent. In other words whether we're here. Or there. We may be accepted of him. Now the word accepted there. Doesn't mean whether he's going to take us or not. In other words, Paul is not saying that, that we're working hard so we can get in, into that new place. What he's saying is we're laboring that we may be pleasing to him. The word accepted here means well pleasing. He says, I have a desire to please the Lord. I want to make him happy. Man, he's been so good to me. He's been so blessing. He's He's blessed me so much. He has shown me grace and mercy and all of his favor. Man, I want to make God happy. I want to please him with all of my heart. That's what Paul is saying. Watch this now. Watch this. Verse 10. For we must, what's that word? All. We must, all must must two words here must all that mean that mean this is this is really important there's no question about this whatsoever there's no denying this whatsoever there's no escaping this whatsoever we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done whether it be good or bad now let me let me give you two things and we'll talk about it okay two things what was the future that he saw? What was the future that he saw that motivated him and, and gave him a fearless mentality and a courage to, to preach when they didn't like it, to go where they didn't want him, to, 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 listen, to face fear or face death fearlessly? It was the future that he saw. Two things, write this down. There was, an, there was a future appearance and there was a future awarding. A future appearance, then B, a future awarding. Now, what do we see here in this verse? We see what is called the judgment seat of Christ. All right, there are two judgments. There are two judgments. We talked about one a couple weeks ago. Uh, We talked about the great white throne judgment. That is the judgment of the lost. That is the judgment of the lost. They will be judged according to their sin because they didn't receive the, the, the pardon. They didn't receive the payment for their sin that Jesus offered on on Calvary. And so they're going to have to pay for their own sin. They died in their sins. And so they will have to pay for their own sin. They're going to be judged according to their sin. And they're going to have their place in the lake which burneth with fire. But this is a different judgment. This is a different judgment. It is the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the word used is bema. Bema, B E M A, the Bema judgment, and the illustration is if you've ever watched the Olympics, <clears throat> if you've ever watched the Olympics, you will see that after the race or after the trial, the competition, whatever whatever the issue was, what they would they would stand and there's boxes, y'all know what I'm saying there. There's platforms that the the winners who will be awarded their medal. They will stand on that platform, and they will be recognized, and they will be awarded for what they have done. They will be awarded for the race that they have won. They will be awarded for, listen, their perseverance, for their preparation, for everything that they did to accomplish what they accomplished. Well, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a judgment where we will be awarded, rewarded for the things that we've done in this body, whether good or bad. Now, now let's clarify something. Let's clarify something. Oh, my goodness, preacher, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pay for what I've done bad. No, no, nope. that's not what that word means. When it says good or bad, the word bad there means worthless. It means worthless, of no use. Now what does that mean? <clears throat> that means... That some, now, now we can take sin completely out of this deal. Sin has nothing to do with this judgment. Has absolutely nothing. Why? Because Jesus took all our judgment of our sin. Every sin that we commit or will commit, he paid for them on the cross. We will stand. We are now. There is no condemnation to that man that is in Christ. All right. So it has nothing to do with sin. So what does it have to do with? Now, now think about this. We're going to clarify this. We're going to clarify this with a verse, and then we're going to pray. Okay. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter three, verse eleven. First Corinthians chapter three, verse eleven. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right. That's that's. That's salvation, all right? Jesus is the foundation. It starts with Jesus. We come to Christ. We are saved. Our Christian walk, our Christian faith, it begins with Christ. We come to him. Now watch. Now if any man build upon this foundation. Now we know that we can't do anything to earn our salvation. For, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of what God. Watch this. Not of works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, you don't work to get saved, but you work after you're saved. You work after you're saved. Now, watch this, watch this. Every man, now watch. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. You have two different types of ingredients here. You have two types of building materials. Gold, precious, or gold, silver, precious stones. Those are things that are eternal. Those are things that are valuable. Those are things that are blessed. But then you have wood, hay, and stubble. Those are things that are temporary. Now watch, now watch. Every man's work, all your deeds that you've done for God, all your service that you've done for God, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. What day? The day of the judgment seat of Christ. The day you stand on your platform, To be awarded for the things that you've done. Because it shall be revealed by fire. What's going to be revealed by fire? The fire shall try. The word try is test. Every man's work of what sort it is. Uh Uh-oh. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What does that mean? It means when we stand on the platform before Jesus, we're going to appear before the Lord. And everything that we've done after we are saved, everything we've done after we are saved, that we've done uh, all of our good deeds, all of our service, all of our labor, everything that we've done to, to, to receive an award for, everything that we've done, it's going to go through a fire. It's going to go through the fiery eyes of the judgment of God to discern, to discern what kind of works they were. Now, what is is going to be discerned here? Listen, (laughs) stay with me. Not what you did, but why you did it. Let me go back to to Revelation. Revelation chapter number 2. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to the church of Ephesus. He said, you're laboring. You're not putting up with sin. You're doing all the things that you need to do. You're going through the checklist. You're going through all the things. You're working hard. But I have somewhat against it. Because you've left your first love. What was he saying? I don't care what you did. I care why you did it. What is your motivation behind it? That good deed you did? Was that so you could get recognition or was that so God could be glorified? Listen, the things that you do, do you brag about it to everybody to show what you did so you can be bragged upon so you can feel good about yourself so you can get glory? Well, guess what? That was your reward. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you do things to be seen of men, then that's your reward. Guess what? All those deeds that you had to brag about and you had to tell people what you did and you had to post on Facebook and you had to show pictures of, I did this, I did that, and you want everybody to think highly of, guess what's going to happen in that day? They're going to burn up. They are wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that you did that was completely, totally for the glory of God and for, listen, for the blessing of the Lord, that will be rewarded. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I've done that I'm not going to get no credit for. And and, and if you're going to be honest, there's probably things that you've done that you did so somebody could look at you and pat you on the back. So somebody could look at you and see, look what, what a good person that person is. Guess what? We're not going to hide anything from that day. That day is going to be truly a judgment that's going to determine what we did and why we did it. And the things that we did out of a pure heart and a pure motive and the things that we did to honor God and bring glory to Him, they're going to be awarded. We're going to receive rewards for those things because the fire is going to try it. And Paul said, hey, we must all. preacher. what do you mean? The good is the things done out of a right motive. The things for the glory of God. You remember, that God's not going to share His glory. God's not going to share His glory. We were created on this earth, put on this planet to bring glory to Him. And the things we do that brings glory to Him will receive a reward for it. But the things we do that brings glory to us, that brings recognition to us, that brings honor to us, we're going to lose. They'll burn up. We'll not receive a reward for it. What did John say? When they came to John, I said, "Hey, they're baptizing over there. There's more people following Jesus than you, John Baptist." He said, "He must increase, but I must decrease." What a mentality! What John got it. John got it. He said, "It's not about me. It's about him. The only reason I'm here is because of him." You know what Jesus said about John Baptist? John Baptist said he must increase, but I must decrease. They must see less of me and more of him. Oh, man, I'm preaching right now. They must see less of me and more of him. If your ministry is all about you, if your service and labor is all about you, that's all the glory you're going to get. But if you'll get to the place you say it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Jesus. They need to see less of me and more of him you know what jesus will say about you what he said about john baptist you know what that was there is no man that has ever been born of women greater than john baptist you know why john got it john got he understood let me ask you a question why you do what you do why do you do what you do maybe that's why you're afraid of death maybe that's why you're afraid of leaving this world It's because everything you do is for this world. And it's for what you're getting now in this world. It's so temporary. Fame is temporary. Glory is temporary. There's been really hugely famous people that the whole world knew about to the day. They don't have no idea who they are. You know why? Power is temporary. Fame is temporary. The things of this earth, everything that you see is temporary. Start focusing on the things that are eternal. Start doing what you do for the glory of God and only for the glory of God. Listen, and I guarantee you, you're going to think more about heaven and you're going to think more about the treasure that you're laying up in heaven. Now, I had not been real good at that and I want to be better. And I'm, I, I, I'm praying the Lord will help me, help me do more for his glory and not for my own. And if we do that, listen, it's not going to, it, we won't think twice about leaving all this behind. You know why? Because we'll, oh goodness gracious, we'll have more treasure over there than we have over here. What did he say? Lay not your treasures up on earth. Lay your treasure in heaven. Preacher, I'm just afraid to die. That might be because you have more treasure here than you have there. Anyway, what helped him face death fearlessly? Fearlessly. It was the focus that he had. He said, I'm focused, I'm thinking about, I'm focused on the things that are eternal. Not the things that I can see, but the things that I can't see. Listen, it was the facts he knew. He knew he was going to have a brand new body. If death takes this body. Now, he was planning on going in the rapture. He was planning on going in the rapture. But he said, just in case I die, and he did. He said, I know I've got a body, a glorified body, a house not made with hands. If this temporary tabernacle is holding my soul, if it's dissolved, I got one waiting on me whose builder is God. Amen. A glorified body. But then the future, the future he's seen. listen, he knew one day he's going to stand and appear. He's going to stand and appear before God and he will be rewarded. You know what he said about that? And I don't mean to extend this out, but I, I just need to say this. He said, "He said, for I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory, the glory. You know what he was looking at? He was facing the future. He was facing that day he would receive his rewards and he would be in his brand new glorified body. He said, man, nothing here can compare to what it's going to be like over there. Listen, take it one day at a time. Don't let this virus scare you. Don't let, don't let all this fear mongering in the media and all the things that they try to do to manipulate people. You, 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 can't, you can't scare a child of God with death. You can't threaten a child of God with heaven. How, how do you do that? That's impossible. No, we can be fearless. We can be fearless. Does that mean we're foolish? No. Don't mean, you can be fearless and not foolish. Yes, take precaution. Wash your stinging hands. Wash them, wash them, wash them, wash them. Do, do what you need to do. Listen, don't be foolish, but don't be fearful either. Don't walk around fearful and afraid. Listen, we can face it fearlessly.